Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening. You are listening to Radio Islam at WCEV 1450 AM. And I'm your host, Tariq Alameen. For those of you who are listening for the first time, Radio Islam is a live call-in talk program. We air every day from 6 to 7 p.m. Central, right here from the wonderful city of Chicago, Illinois. You might even hear that train rumbling in the background. Uh, that's a spice of character that we give to you at no charge to you. So <laughs> we hope that you've had a great day. We also ask that before we get into our program, we want to remind you, uh, particularly those of you, as I said, who are joining us for the first time, to stop by, uh, whether you're on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, like us, follow us, get at us. We have the same username, at Radio Islam USA. So we'd love to hear from you. Keep up with us. We can keep up with you. Uh, and make sure that you also stop by www.radioislam.com. There you can see behind-the-scenes information. Everybody wants to see behind-the-scenes. They want to see what's going on when the mics are not on. Uh, you can see guest bios, uh, pictures, articles, uh, and lots of, lots of great stuff. So we invite you to make use of that resources there for you. Uh, what else do I want to tell you? Oh, yes, as always. Uh, you can find our episodes that we are doing live. You can find them in podcast form wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we, are we are continuing to uh, expand the platforms that we're on right now. You can get us at uh, Google Play, SoundCloud, um, iTunes, uh, TuneIn. Uh, just look us up, Radio Islam, uh, and let us know what you think as you are re-listening, because you might be listening to this right now on one of those platforms I just mentioned. So enough said. Uh, for those of you who would like to give us a call and ask a question and make a comment, you can do so at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. So, I'm, I'm done with all of my yapping, and we can get into tonight's conversation. Uh, so, tonight we have in studio, uh, and well, not just an author. Uh, this gentleman is, uh, he's, he's quite... Uh, varied in his interest, uh, but we have Farhan Farhan Khalid in, who is a Chicago native, and he's got a career in data and analytics. Earned his MBA from Northern Illinois University. He enjoys writing on the side, and from the looks of as many books uh, that he has published, uh, that's a big side. That's a big side. So his articles have been published on Autoblog and Productive Muslim, and his books include "Open the Door to a Wealthier Life." and Bilal and the Big Bully, which was recently uh, released. So we welcome you to Radio Islam. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome, Salam, Brother Tariq. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. It's good to have you in. Uh, and as I mentioned, that you've got, you cover some, some ground uh, with, yeah. The, yeah, <laughs> with <dear>. your books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there are, there, there are a variety of topics, but I figured when you're writing and you're doing something that you're enjoying, Really, you can write about whatever your interests are and whatever your passions are, and I do have varied interests. So, mm -hmm. so with the first book, Open the Door to a Wealthier Life, it was more about uh, teaching financial literacy, kind of encouraging investing, and also creating some awareness around the investments that aren't Islamically permissible, because I think I'm concerned that some people might be investing unknowingly in things that are not actually permissible. For example, they might have money in treasury bonds, which are interest-based. Mm -hmm. And then with Bilal and the Big Bully, the, the most recent one, this is actually my first time writing a fiction book. 
and a children's book. Right. But this came after somebody in my Toastmasters group suggested that, that I should write a children's book. So I thought about it for a while, and I, for some reason I had a couple of the character names already in my mind, so it just kind of worked out nicely that way. Okay. And then in between I'd written this other book, Ultimate Beast, Ultimate Battle, which kind of just is based on my love of tigers. Right. But at the same time, I wanted to teach about wildlife conservation and the bigger impact that it's having. Uh, for example, with the decline in the tiger population, one of the major reasons is deforestation, which is not just affecting tigers, but other species as well. And it could contribute to global warming because there are less trees to soak up the carbon emissions. Mm, mm. So, yeah. So, like you said, varied interest and variety of books. <laughs> right, and, that, and that reflects, I think, uh, most people in general, we have varied interests. But let me, let me ask this. Uh, so the Radio Slum family gets uh, a sense of who mm -hmm. Farhan is. Uh, how did you how did you begin writing? What was your doorway sure. uh, into writing? Yeah, I believe everyone needs a creative outlet. So when I was younger, I would do a lot of drawing. And then I got into writing because I liked writing because this is something where I could write down my thoughts and then I could think it over, revise it before I actually put it out there for anyone else to read. Mm -hmm. So it kind of became my preferred method of communication. So I would start writing and then I, would, I did some articles for my school newspaper when I was an undergrad. I did some uh, articles for the youth section of a Muslim newspaper. I think it was called the Weekly Mirror, but it was a long time ago, so I don't quite remember. Right. And then I was just writing some articles on LinkedIn and then I did it for a productive Muslim and autoblog and those are more car related because I'm into cars as well. Okay. And then I finally decided I want to take this to the next level and write a book. And I had that idea in my mind for a long time that someday I'd like to write a book. But it was around mid-2016 where I really got serious about it and decided to make it happen. So all of these, all of the books that you have uh, now mm -hmm. uh, in Radio Slime Family, we have three books. He brought three of his books in studio. Uh, these are all books that you've done since 2016. Correct, yeah. So roughly the last year and a half. Okay, yeah. so did you take off work? I didn't. <laughs> no, so I, I work full time and this is just something I did on the side. And they didn't take too long to write, which I know it might come as a surprise, but it's yeah. one of those things where if you're passionate about it, you just kind of find the time, mm -hmm. you know, you'll burn the midnight oil and you just enjoy doing it. It's not as seen as work. It's right. just something I didn't mind staying up late or just doing this on the weekends. Mm -hmm. So I was able to pump these out pretty quickly. I think Open the Door to a Wealthier Life, it took me about three months total. Wow. And the first draft for the Bilal and the Big Bully, I think I wrote the first draft in just a week. <laughs> wow. Okay, so before we get into the specifics on, on some of these books that you've mm -hmm. done, uh, you mentioned that you're also interested in, in cars. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any plans on writing about cars? I've written some articles. I don't know if there's a market for books on cars. Mm -hmm. I mean, there might be, but I think that might be like more historical in nature. So possibly someday that is something to keep in mind because that, that would be pretty neat. And in that case, I'd like to do my own photographs for that too. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so maybe someday, inshallah, but I don't have uh, an idea well materialized enough where I can make a whole book out of it. But, you know, maybe someday. <laughs> so are you, are you old school muscle cars or... I the like, new speedsters. Yeah, I like uh, sports cars as well as Japanese cars. So I like okay. kind of the Subaru, like rally type of cars, but yeah. also just the Japanese sports cars and, uh, of course, like the hyper cars, like the McLarens and whatnot. Right. And, and even, I'm not too much into, like, muscle cars, like Camaros and Mustangs, but I like the Corvette, though. That's kind of the American iconic sports car. It's withstood the test of time. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
Uh, well, let me. Well, I've, I've got to say this one about the cars in particular. So, how do you feel about the the Mitsubishi? What is it? The, the, the Evo. The Evo. Yes. Yeah. Well, since I'm a Subaru guy, you know, I'm not too sad that the Evo is <laughs> gone. But it, yeah. it was good competition for the Subaru WRX STI. Yeah. So it kind of keeps things fresh because then you know the Subaru has to always keep up with Mitsubishi. Now there's all these new players coming in, like Honda has the new Civic Type R, mm -hmm. and then there's the Ford Ford Focus RS and the Golf R from Volkswagen. Wagon, so a lot of stiff competition. So, yeah, Subaru has a, a lot of work if they want to keep up with those guys now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I look forward to. Um, that's definitely something that you know you can produce an article, uh, yeah, articles about. Yeah, inshallah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm a car enthusiast to a degree. I was mechanic in another life. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let me ask this because uh, this is something that is is in the public uh, conversation right now. There's a lot of awareness. I talk around bullying. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, we just we just had um, Ibrahim. Was that Monday or Tuesday? What's today? Today's Wednesday. Now, see, Radio Slam family, that just tells you how mm -hmm. just how lost I am right now. I can't remember what day it is, but we just recently had a conversation with American Muslim healthcare professionals. Yeah, that was the Monday night show. Monday night. Dr. Okay. Chaudhry. Yes, Dr. Yeah. Chaudhry, uh, and they're having a uh, the first of its kind uh, uh, in interfaith. Um, bullying summit. Mm -hmm. So that when I saw that title, you know, Bilal and the Big Bully, I said, man, this really fits right in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, what was your, what was your impetus? Uh, what was what was the motivating uh, forces behind yeah. you? Uh, exactly. This book out? A couple of things. So, like you said, bullying is just a big issue, and it and it has been for decades and since forever. Yeah. But nowadays, especially with um, social media, it's even worse than before. So that was one thing I wanted to address bullying, kind of give people, give kids tips on how to deal with bullying, and hopefully give kids the courage to speak up and maybe even stand up to bullies. Right. At the same time, I wanted just an entertaining story where there was a Muslim protagonist, so a Muslim kid is the main character. So that's kind of neat too, where for Muslim kids, you know, growing up here, they have a book, well, there are other books as well, but now there's another one where a Muslim is the main character. So I thought that would be kind of cool. And another thing is, in this book, I do briefly touch upon bullying from the bully's perspective. So I feel like that can kind of make it a good teaching tool as well. Now that's interesting. Uh, that's not that's not a viewpoint that that's often really you know discussed. Yeah. So what what was the uh, what was the premise? What was the idea behind? Yeah, the idea behind that was so people kind of just think about that there are two sides to every story so there has to be a reason when somebody becomes a bully it could be that they were bullied when they were younger as happens with the character in this story right. or the bully could be a victim of abuse at home so it's kind of just to make people look at the other side and kind of not just write off the person as just being a bad person that there is a root cause and hopefully we can get to the root cause and address those issues and turn the person around right well, I think that's that's a great approach uh, and it kind of falls into, there is a, uh, with Dr. King, he gave, I think it was six or seven rules for, uh, for like, not for nonviolence. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of them was to, I'm paraphrasing, one of them was to, uh, to address the principle and not the, not the person, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and the idea that, you know, it's hard to, to get people to change when they feel like they are themselves being attacked as opposed to mm -hmm. a behavior. And it yeah. sounds like that's what, you know, you're, you're looking at the behavior of the individual mm -hmm. and giving them an opportunity to, to change. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's awesome. 
So what was the, um, so do you feel like you've achieved what you have set out to achieve or, or do you have a particular goal when you, uh, when you write this book or, or any of your books? Is there, is there a goal in mind, an end goal? Yeah, I mean, the goal is usually to create an, an awareness of something or other, as I mentioned with the Open the Door to a Wealthier Life and Ultimate Beast, Ultimate Battle. But aside from that, it's, I'm hoping to make a difference as well. It is kind of something I'm doing on the side for fun, but I would like to make a difference. So hopefully, you know, the first book will encourage financial literacy, kind of managing money properly and avoiding haram investments, sure. while this most recent book, Bilal and the Big Bully, hopefully that will encourage um, standing up to bullies and kind of addressing issues surrounding that. So, okay. so yeah, that's that's about it. But And also with the ultimate based ultimate battle, just to create the awareness about um, wildlife conservation and the bigger impacts that it is having. So at least if people are aware, then they're kind of um, more cogniz cognizant of the actions they take, how that can have a bigger impact on the environment. So um, another question regarding uh, Bell Island, the big bully. Mm -hmm. One of the stats that was, uh, that was given is that the majority, or there's a, I don't know if it was close to 50%, but uh, quite, uh, th there's a substantial number of children who are bullied that don't report it. Mm, yeah. Uh, is this book written for uh, who is who is the audience for it? Is it is it just children or is it is it educators? Is it uh, is it parents? Mm. Is it something that they can all read together? How, how, yeah, how do exactly. you see it? Yep. So it is for for everyone, children, their parents, as well as educators. So like I mentioned, I think it is a good teaching tool mm -hmm. and it just it does encourage speaking up and kind of addressing bullying head on. So at the end of the book, after the story, there is uh, a list of things. What um, I have like, you know, what did we learn? So kind of just the main points, like what did, what can people learn from this story? And then just kind of a note to kids that if they are a victim of bullying, to please speak up because if they don't, then adults aren't going to know about it and they can't help. And I just kind of let them know that you know adults are here to help. So whether it's a parent or a teacher or a school counselor, just speak up. Okay. Have you considered, or, or is this on your radar as far as maybe it's going into schools and uh, doing uh, workshops or, or talking uh, with students, with educators, you know, around, you know, around implementing actual um, strategies to deal with bullying, you know? Yeah, I haven't thought about that, so I haven't really thought that far into it. Mm -hmm. Since my wife works at a school, maybe I can work with her and <laughs> start something. But yeah, I haven't really thought that far into it, you know, that I'll go and do workshops. But yeah, uh, yeah in the meantime, you know, I think this would be a good teaching tool for teachers. And, you know, maybe I'll talk with my wife and see, maybe we can do a workshop at her school. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, that's kind of the way these things work. Uh, you give, uh, you give a work, you give some, mm -hmm. uh, you give a tool, a resource. And, you know, when people find it, they find it relevant. Uh, especially on, on a subject like this, mm -hmm. uh, having a Muslim protagonist, which is, I think it's just huge. It's huge for, for Muslim youth to see themselves. Yeah, uh, exactly. Let me ask, is, is the bully a Muslim also? The bully is not a Muslim, no. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't mention any religions of any of the other characters. It's just, just the main character, Bilal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. That's great. That's great. So let me ask this. What do... Uh, what is one of the, and I want to just transition over to mm -hmm. the uh, other book, the Open sure. the Door to a Wealthier Life. What are some of the things that most readers would be surprised by? 
Yeah, I think one thing people might be surprised by is they might have money invested in things that are not Islamically permissible, and that mainly comes down to interest-based investments. Okay. But people might be putting money into their company's 401k, for example, and that 401k ha will have a distribution of investments. Some of that might be going into bonds, and a bond is basically uh, giving a loan to either a corporation or a government, if it, whether it's a corporate bond or a treasury bond. Mm -hmm. And that means you're giving them a loan so there's principal plus interest so they're paying interest on it. And people might just be unknowingly doing that, whereas we know Islamically from Surah al-Baqarah that interest is forbidden. So we want to yeah. avoid those because if we are earning money through haram investments, then I feel there's no barakah in that money. Right. So. Yeah. And so for our, uh, our non-Muslim or uh, folks who might not be familiar with the terms uh, barakah, the, the blessing, uh, haram, which is uh, unlawful or prohibited, uh, and uh, Surah uh, Baqarah, that's the second chapter of the Quran for those who want to uh, reference it. Um, so your experience, uh, uh, well, your, your educational background mm -hmm. is an MBA. So has right. that facilitated your, you know, your, your direction into addressing uh, this whole area? Yeah, part of it comes just from personal interest in money and building wealth. So I've done a lot of research and reading on my own, and I've kind of combined that with talks and lectures I've listened to and business school. school. So I've kind of taken all that and combined all that knowledge mm -hmm. and looked through a Muslim lens and kind of just put that all together into one book. You know, So I've kind of combined all this, and hopefully it's, it's a pretty short read. It's less than 200 pages, so I feel like it's a pretty concise guide. And, how to invest, how to manage money, how to prepare for retirement, that type of thing. Okay, so within the book, you also address, uh, um, you've answered the fact, you've answered the question about what would surprise uh, some of the readers, but mm -hmm. you also address uh, um, ways for people to uh, to invest in a halal, mm -hmm. in, a, in a permissible way as well. Yeah, yep, exactly. And the nice thing is we do have more and more options now. So we have uh, a variety of mutual funds in the U.S. that are uh, Islamically Sharia-compliant, Sharia right. and Sharia, of course, is referring to the Islamic law. Mm -hmm. So there's the Aman Fund, I-M-A-N, which has been around for a while. There's Amana Funds, which they have a few different funds. They have the Growth Fund, the Income Fund, and the Participation Fund, which is their new one. Mm -hmm. And there's also Azad Funds, which they have the Wise Capital Fund and the Ethical Fund. So there's an, a nice variety of options, but there's also now there's uh, what they call a robo-advisor, where it's like an online website where you can sign up with them. It's called Wahed, W-A-H-E-D, and that'll kind of give you investment options, like what is allowed, and you can kind of invest through them, um, or use that as a guide, rather. And there's also another service called Sharia Portfolio, where basically you just give them all your money and they'll invest on your behalf after discussing with you what kind of strategies you want and what is your time frame. So if somebody is young and they have uh, you know, a long time frame, they might want to take a more aggressive approach. And then that company, will, that firm will do all the work. You know, where the so what's their name again? Sharia Portfolio. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And I think their minimum, though, is 100000 so that's kind of like you have to have a lot of money just set missed, aside just, just, to, just to even get started. <laughs> but the good news is that with the mutual funds, the you know cost of entry is much more easy. And I try to explain in the book, I try to demystify the whole concept of investing, the stock market, how everything works, right. as well as what options are available. So with the Amana funds, for example, it just costs $250 to get started with one of their funds. So that's pretty doable for most people. So what are your thoughts on uh, cryptocurrency? 
<laughs> That's a good question. I was just <laughs> discussing that with my brother, actually. Yeah. So I'm not too well versed on cryptocurrency. I kind of like the the whole concept of a peer-to-peer -peer currency, yeah. where you take the banks out of the middle. But then at the same time, I'm wondering, will it ever go mainstream? Is it just a fad? Will the bubble eventually burst? So I'm kind of iffy about it. I don't know if I'd want to invest in it right now. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a bad investment. I mean, obviously, Bitcoin has gone up exponentially in value. Huge, so right. people who got in early <laughs> yeah. made lots of money. But I don't know, because without a governing party to actually oversee see it, I don't know. I mean, it just seems just kind of strange to me, I guess. <laughs> it, it, it seems, from, from what little I do know about it, is that uh, instead of governing bodies uh, oversight, that it's all built into the uh, into the the structure itself, mm -hmm. uh, which you know, there's a certain amount uh, for me as, as as who is not uh, an investor or mm -hmm. you know in that world. There's a certain amount of uh, I don't know surety almost that comes with it mm -hmm. because yeah. you you kind of you, you sort of expect you know we we've seen what has happened you know uh, in markets and mm -hmm. we've seen people who have taken uh, folks money like you know like. Made off, mm, yeah, you know. Exactly. Uh, so it's, it puts it back in the hands of the, uh, puts it back, you know, the control back in the hands yeah, of the, exactly. the yeah. individual. Yeah, exactly. So it, it does. Uh, at the same time, though, despite the flaws in the monetary system here, we do at least have some uh, insurance from the government, the FDIC. Yeah, that's true. So, that's true. you know, even though there are some issues, at least we know the money in our bank accounts is relatively safe, up to like a quarter million dollars. So. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's pros and cons. I want to see if it becomes mainstream, but because it's not something tangible, it's just kind of over my head. You know, like how are you going to actually make a transaction and stuff like that. Right. Um, and of course, it kind of has a bad reputation because of the whole Silk Road thing and people using cryptocurrency for nefarious purposes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, you know what? After you have a, 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 a position that you formulated mm -hmm. on it, <laughs> I, I really would be interested to hear what you think. <laughs> okay. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, well, and is there a so you know there there are platforms like E-Trade. Mm -hmm. uh, is there anything like that for uh, that Muslims that those who are not and even those who are not Muslims but who mm -hmm. realize that there is a they they look at interest as something mm -hmm. they want to avoid. Sure. Uh, is there are there platforms like that or are there platforms being being developed? Yes. Yep. So before I get into that, there there are different brokerage accounts you can use to actually make trades. So E-Trade is one of them. Right. And basically with the brokerage, you're, you're just signing up to have the ability to trade stocks, which is buying and selling. Right. So you need that intermediary to actually make the transaction. So E-Trade is one. There's Charles Schwab and um, which a variety of other ones, Ameritrade, so right. TD Ameritrade. So a lot of those. There's even a free one called Robinhood.com. I believe that they'll have less availability of the stocks you can actually purchase, but it is free transactions. Otherwise, you might pay 5 to $10 per transaction. So to, to buy, if you want to buy 100 shares of a stock, you'd pay a $5 brokerage fee or a $10 fee or whatever it is with your service. But um, speaking of the, your, the question you asked, there is a service coming out, or maybe it's already out, but it's called Investoroo. So basically the word invest followed by ROO. And okay. that's basically going to be stock trading for Muslims or anyone looking to do ethical trading. So they'll filter out the stocks that are 
ethically you know compliant as well as Sharia Sharia compliant mm -hmm. and that way it just really limits the stocks you can buy and you don't have to do any extra research or analysis or worry that you're maybe buying into a stock that is not allowed or that would not be allowed and um, basically what that's referring to there's a few different pieces that you have to look at one is the core business obviously you don't want to invest in a company that's providing a haram or impermissible product such as an alcohol company or a gambling company right you also want to look at companies that are not highly leveraged so that means that they're not too much in debt so their total liabilities proportionate to their total assets should be no more than 33 percent and then the final thing is there um, that there shouldn't be hoarding too much cash be cash because hoarding is not really looked upon you know well in islam right. so basically you want to look at their cash and cash receivables plus their net uh, receivables because that's money they will be receiving as a uh, proportionate to the market cap so uh, or proportionate to their total assets okay so, and I keep hearing this whenever I listen to uh, brokerage firms, their commercials. Mm -hmm. They talk about their history, talk about how they have outpaced the market, how they, you know, their, their, their returns. Uh, but then at the very end of it, it says uh, previous performance is not an indicator mm -hmm. of, future, of future earnings. Yeah. Right? So is that a. You know, I, I don't know. It's, it's like they're, they're telling me they want me to have confidence in them, but then at the same time saying, "Well, if you have confidence in us, eh, you know, we're not telling you it's gonna it's gonna work out for you." Yeah, I mean, investing has its risks, so you kind of have to go into it knowing that there are risks. Yeah. But there are ways to work around that risk, and one of them is diversification. So regardless of which brokerage service you go with or what you invest in, as long as with a mutual fund, basically you're getting that instant diversification because a mutual fund is a collection of stocks and there might be like hundreds of different companies. So even if one company went bankrupt, the right. overall value of that mutual fund will probably not even move or not move much. If you choose to invest in individual companies, then what you want to do is just diversify and not just by having stocks in a variety of companies, but companies in different industries as well as different sizes, large, small, and medium. A larger company, what might be referred to as a blue chip, will be more established and you're less likely to lose money, but you also won't make a lot on it because it's kind of pretty well established. Right. Whereas with the growing companies, you have a greater chance to make money, but you could also lose money. So you kind of just have to do your research, see how the company has been doing, maybe review their financial statements, and if you have enough confidence that they'll continue to grow and do well financially, then you know that might be a wise investment. Okay. All right, Radio Slam family, we're talking with author. Uh, well, he does quite a bit more. He authors on the side, but uh, <laughs> but we're gonna talk. We're gonna keep on talking with him. We're gonna take a short break. For those of you who want to give us a call uh, when we come back, you can call us at three one two seven five zero. 1178. That's 312 750 1178. And uh, tune back in. We'll be talking with Farhan Khalid. People have all kinds of excuses for not saving energy. I didn't plug it in. I'll turn it off later. It's not my music. It's just one phone charger. So, um, we don't have those Energy Star appliances. So that old window leaks. How much energy and money could the new ones really save? 
Maybe it's time to stop making excuses and start doing some simple things to save the energy and resources we can. Because a little here and a little there can add up to a lot later, and you just never know what people will need in the future. My name is Sarah, and I'm going to get started today. We can all help save more energy for tomorrow. What's your excuse? For more energy-saving tips that also save money, visit loseyourexcuse.gov parents. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy, the Ad Council, and the station. Hey, America, we need to have a little talk. I don't know if you've noticed, but we got a lot of food in this country. A lot of peaches, a lot of corn, a lot of apples, a lot of everything. We've got so much food that we can't even eat it all. So if we got all this extra food, how are 17 million kids in America struggling with hunger? I just don't get it. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to the hungry kids who need it. They can get you food even if you live in Idaho or Alaska or somewhere crazy like that. This isn't complicated. We got extra food and we've got hungry kids. Feeding America's done the math. Now it's your turn. Support Feeding America in your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. I know you got internet on your phone, so what are you waiting for? We can't do it without your help. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Assalamu alaikum. Soundvision is starting a new initiative to provide crisis intervention to those in need. Through the crisis text line, anyone can text 741-741 and be connected via text to a trained crisis counselor who is there to listen and show empathy. The crisis text line is open to everyone. By texting the keyword SALAM, that's S-A-L-A-M, to 741-741, users will be connected to a trained Muslim counselor whenever available. You can also volunteer to undergo training and become a counselor. For more information, visit soundvision.com. Welcome back. Welcome back, Radio Islam family. We are talking with Farhan Khalid. Uh, he's a Chicago native. For those of you who are just turning in, tuning in, with a career in data analytics, uh, earned his MBA from Northern Illinois University, enjoys writing on the side, uh, and to have him tell it, he says that uh, if you are passionate about it, if you love what you're doing, it's not, it's not a chore, it's not work. So uh, he has published uh, he's got three books that he has uh, published since 2016 uh, and there are other books you said you've also published some some ebooks as well one of them is kind of based on a paper I wrote it's called against all odds and it's kind of meant to be motivational and inspirational it retells a story based on a National Geographic documentary actually about a lion a lioness okay. who has to kind of go through the struggle to survive and protect her cubs mm-hmm. and it's kind of based on that than just trying to inspire people that any difficulties that you go through in life, you can also get through them. Mm. And then the other three are actually just short ebooks based on my book, Open the Door to a Wealthier Life, where they're kind of just kind of bite sized pieces where somebody, if they just want to learn about the stock market, they can read just that ebook. Or if right. they just want to learn about retirement planning, they could just read that. So. 
So, well, I was going to ask a different question, but mm -hmm. I've got to ask this now. Sure. When did, so when did you write your first book? So that was mid-2016. I started working on it, and then I released it in November of 2016, so about a year ago. So in addition to the three um, published physical mm -hmm. paperbacks, yeah. you also did the e-books as well. Yeah, yeah. And those were kind of just spin-offs from this book, so it wasn't a, a lot of extra work, really. Okay. Yeah. All right. So nature... Nature, um, nature is something that you're, you're really passionate mm -hmm. about. Yeah. I've always enjoyed nature. I just like the, the quietness of nature, but also the beauty of nature. So I'll take a lot of like wildlife photography at, at zoos or just uh, if I've been to like uh, Colorado and Canada, any wildlife I spotted, okay. you know, here and there, I've taken that type of photography. Mm -hmm. um, but also just enjoying nature and landscapes. Right. So photography is also a passion? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not an expert at, at it by any means, just an amateur, but I, yeah. I do enjoy that and I have some of my photos online. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to ask you now, mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, how can uh, c can folks who are reading your books uh, mm -hmm. or interested in uh, your photography, yeah. where can they where can they sure. follow you? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at Halal Wealth, just one word, so Halal Wealth. And I have a blog, halalwealth.wordpress.com, and listeners can contact me through there. Okay. And then I have my photos up on 500px, so that's 500px.com slash F-A-R-H-A-N-W-R-X. Okay. So I just became familiar with 500px. Mm -hmm. We had uh, the pleasure of talking with uh, an artist a few weeks back. Yeah, Muhammad Al-Jamalika. Yes. Yeah, that was a really interesting episode. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> What is awesome is that you're listening. <laughs> we've, we've, got, uh, we've got a listener and a contributor uh, at, at the same time. Yeah. So that's awesome. So you've written about tigers mm -hmm. and you've written about uh, a lion. Yeah. So are the big cats, are those your favorites? Yeah, I, I like cats. So, so of course, being into just cats as just a pet or an animal, you know, that kind of uh, increased my interest in them and learning about them. And of course, that leads to learning about the big cats. And of those, you know, the lions and tigers are kind of the the big ones, of course, the biggest of the big, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the tiger, I would say, is my favorite animal. It's just the just the amount of power that it has, but also the the beauty hmm. it has and the uh, elusiveness of it so it's kind of this mysterious creature it's a very interesting animal yeah that can hide in plain sight yeah yeah and despite being you know hundreds of pounds they can sneak up on prey without being seen or heard so yeah. really interesting extremely extremely powerful yeah they're kind of like ninjas of the jungle <laughs> <laughs> so um so what was the uh, aside from your, your your love for the the tiger mm -hmm. uh, the book ultimate beast ultimate battle mm-hmm um, you mentioned earlier that it also lets the reader know about uh, conservation realities. Mm, yeah. Uh, was that one of the main points you wanted to get across? Exactly, in the book? yeah, because as Muslims, we're just stewards of this earth. We're put here, we're not supposed to destroy the earth and leave it in a worse condition than in which we found it. Right. So it kind of touches upon that where the actions being taken by humans are causing so much um, hurt and suffering to the earth and to to other living things on this earth and I don't feel that's right so of course with things that are going on with the, I mentioned deforestation earlier so that's one of the things that is affecting the tiger population and contributing to global warming but there's also the poaching issue too so people are killing and hunting tigers and then selling those 
tiger parts on the black market for a profit. You know, it's just kind of messing up the ecosystem, kind of the natural balance in the ecosystem by, by doing these actions. Mm. So, yeah, just trying to create awareness around those issues and kind of let people know, kind of just think about the actions that you take, how it can have a bigger impact on the world. Now, what are some of the issues as far as uh, with deforestation? Mm. How is that impacting the tiger population? Yeah, because tigers, they are an elusive creature and they need a lot of space. So their territories are pretty big. And when their territories shrink, then they basically have less prey that they can go after to survive. But also they'll, out of necessity, they'll kind of venture out of their shrunken territory and go into more populated areas. And then because of that, you know, farmers and just people will, of course, fear them and hunt them down, um, see them as a threat. So then that'll also just cause a decrease in their population. And if a, a mother tiger is killed, the cubs probably won't survive on their own. So there's that downstream impact as well. So what can the listeners who are who are not in those areas mm -hmm. that, you know, the, the, the natural habitat mm -hmm. for the tiger, what can the, the listener, what, what can we do? Yeah, there's not much we can do physically, but what we can do is support conservation organizations such as the World Wildlife Fund. So if you go to WWF USA, you can kind of support them, you know, give a donation if you want to. You can do kind of this adopt a tiger thing where you uh, you give a donation and they'll kind of send you uh, like a stuffed tiger and you just kind of give this you know gift and hopefully help support conservation efforts that they're doing where they have people on the ground and they'll work with governments as well to kind of help with conservation efforts because uh, in some of these countries like India for example the the park rangers they're not well equipped always and they're um, not well paid or anything so these organizations here are able to help with those efforts and kind of provide them with more firepower so to speak so they can deal with poachers and other threats now you know what is interesting is i've heard over the past year mm -hmm. different advertisements uh commercials uh, psas mm -hmm. about elephants and their shrinking population mm. but nothing nothing is really being said or there's not well, at least I haven't heard it on, on the radio or TV mm -hmm. about uh, tigers and their uh, population uh, yeah loss. yeah and and there are other animals as well so with the elephant it's the whole you know the, the tusk so right. and so it's just that same situation where there are poachers just killing them and trying to profit off of their parts so so it's unfortunate and like I said it's just as stewards of the earth we shouldn't be doing that we should be um, you know, supporting, obviously we should be supporting other humans, but we have to also consider animals as well because they are living creatures and... Yeah, because that's mm. that's a part of our our trust. Mm, yeah. So, absolutely. All right, Radio Islam family, uh, if you'd like to give us a call, you can do so at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. And I think when we get back, I want to get back into mm. a little bit more of that uh, car conversation. Okay, sounds okay. good. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. When I have an asthma attack, I feel scared. It's kind of like an elephant is on my chest. I feel like I'm choking. Sometimes my parents have to take me to the hospital. You know how to react to their asthma attacks. Here's how to prevent them. Call 1-866-NO-ATTACKS. Visit www.noattacks.org or call your doctor. Because even one attack is one too many. 
I feel like a fish with no water. Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council. It's 6.42 p.m. Time for Steve Plato and his son Dylan to do the dishes. They talk about everything from the yuckiness of girls to the awesomeness of his soccer team. Sometimes they don't talk at all. Then, hey! the dreaded <laughs> splash fight. It's dad o'clock, and it's the best time of the day. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Hi, my name is Stanley, and I've been arrested for stealing shoes. I didn't really steal them, but I've been sent to Camp Green Lake anyway. The worst punishment a kid could get. And at Camp Green Lake, we dig holes. Lots of holes. I've only been here a short time, but I think the camp director is up to something. I'm Stanley Yelnats, and I'm covering more than dirt at Camp Green Lake. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Holes by Lewis Sacker. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Welcome back. Welcome back, Radio Slime family. This is my sleepy, chill time music right now. And I need to get this at home. I do. I need this at home. Uh, you are listening to Radio Slime at WCV 1450 AM. We're going to say that really slowly. I'm your host, Tariq Alameen. We are here with that. <laughs> I started to go into like a midnight, uh, midnight <laughs> smooth uh, routine. No, but we're, we're in studio with Farhan Khalid, uh, who is an author, and he has uh, just been on a tear since 2016. And um, we're going to get back into cars. Sure. All right, because he, he also, that's one of his interests. And I want to ask about, uh, so, oh, you know what? Hold on. We, we have a caller. So, uh, uh, Assalamu alaikum. Welcome. Alaikum assalam. I just have uh, one quick, quick question. Uh, about the book about investing, halal investments. Uh, does the book uh, talk about uh, like college savings plans and um, IRAs and um, those kinds of things? Um, are those safe? I think those are just savings plans, but uh, like uh, savings accounts. But is that addressed at all in the book? Yeah, welcome, Salam. Thanks for calling in. So I do briefly discuss some of the college savings plans. I I believe it's called 501c off the top of my head I don't quite remember but there is a tax deferred way of saving for college so that's definitely an option another thing parents can do is invest in something like an Islamic mutual fund or something like a sukuk which is basically the Islamic equivalent of a bond where it's a relatively safe place to put the money and it can grow and they can contribute money to it each month or however often they want. So that way when the child is ready to go to college, there is some money there. So there's the Islamic Mutual Fund option, okay. but there is also a tax-deferred uh, savings plan that, there's, that is available in the U.S. A tax-deferred savings plan. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks. All right. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for calling. All right. That was, that was, that was a great question. I've got three. I've got three... Uh, daughters who are going to be off to college very soon nice. <laughs> uh, fortunately uh, hopefully they'll be they'll be uh, following my wife and uh, getting a, a, a deal on tuition <laughs> Yeah, inshallah. Hopefully, yeah, that's, inshallah. Yeah, that's another thing is just if parents do encourage their kids, of course it can get overbearing. You don't want to push your kids too much, but the more they can do during their high school years, whether it's uh, 
uh, joining clubs, doing different things that'll help them look better when they do apply for college and apply for, uh, for scholarships. It just helps out. And the, there are actually a couple of Islamic scholarships. I don't remember the uh, websites off the top of my head. I believe one is through ISNA, the Islamic Society of North America. And the other one, I don't quite recall. I, I do have the link in my book, um, but there are two options available that I'm aware of. So that way Muslim students can look into those and apply for those, inshallah, get a scholarship. Or be like my brother and just uh, get a, a merit scholarship. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Oh, so Radio Islam family. Uh, he's he's not on the mic, but he he is in uh, in studio. Erfan um, is um, the big merit scholar, huh? Yeah, he's my sidekick. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. It's always good to see that. Uh, so I got. I want to shift back over to to cars sure. quickly. Yeah, shift back to cars. Yes. That's, that's a good uh, word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good segue. Um, <laughs> Ibrahim is going to going to join us. Sure. Uh, um, so uh, when I think about cars, mm -hmm. right? I'm, I'm a former mechanic as mm -hmm. well. I think about the Chicago Auto Auto Show. Yeah. Is that something that that you make it a point to get to? Is that a centerpiece for you? Yeah, I haven't been there for several years, but the couple of times I have, and I definitely enjoyed it. It's kind of exhausting because it is so big and there's so much to see, but I definitely yeah. enjoyed going there. I would like to get back there. Kind of wish it wasn't in the middle of winter. You know, right. That would that would have been nicer, but. Uh, what I've been doing more recently is just kind of attending some local shows. So they have something called Supercar Saturday, mm -hmm. and they have those during the spring and summer months in Hoffman Estates and Bolingbroke. So they'll kind of alternate each month, but they'll just do that. And there's a variety of cars that show not just supercars, but there'll be muscle cars, like standard sports cars, even just modified economy cars. So anyone and everyone is welcome to show up, and it's a lot of fun. And a lot of good photo opportunities, too. <laughs> do you see a day when... You go to one of these Saturday car shows, <laughs> and there's an automated, a self-driving car there. I wouldn't be surprised because you see everything there, really. I mean, there's these like you know these open cars like the the Ariel Adam, and then last time I went there's the new Acura NSX. So that's pretty neat too, pretty high tech. So mm -hmm. that's getting up there as as far as technology. So I wouldn't be surprised if there is an automated car there someday. It's yeah. kind of weird to think about, but yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't know really how I feel about the automated cars. On the one hand, I don't want to lose, you know, the ability to drive because I enjoy it. Right. At the same time, I'm glad that they are being developed because it'll help people who are elderly and disabled so that way they can get to places without being dependent on someone else. So I'm looking forward to it from that perspective. Do you think automated cars have a uh, big place in American society in the near future, or is it something that you see happening, you know, far into the future, 10, 20 years down the line. Well, yeah, well, technology moves so fast that uh, I wouldn't, I mean, I think near future might be a realistic to say because these companies like Tesla, for example, they have the autopilot feature that they're working on. My concern is more g getting through all the potential bugs, making sure these vehicles are able to drive by themselves and actually uh, avoid accidents and deal with the the ethical aspect is this is a question that comes up a lot is if the car has a choice of hitting one person versus a group of four p people what is it going to do so companies have to keep addressing those issues and work with the government to figure out what is the best solution for these things but the technology is being developed pretty quickly uh, google i believe Google is also testing a self-driving car yeah, so right. yeah it's all being worked on i mean i think we'll see more and more in the near future 
Well, I like the the point that you brought up is not it's not one that we hear talked about a lot. The implications of self-driving cars mm -hmm. for people who um, who are dealing with disability, mm -hmm. um, uh, who may have lost you know their eyesight or their eyesight is not mm -hmm. necessarily where it needs to be. Yeah. So I, I think that's that's a really interesting uh, part of the conversation. Yeah, definitely. Because as as an enthusiast, some other enthusiasts will say you know this is going to ruin driving, but we do have to kind of think of it from the perspective of others because it'll it could really help some people who have been pretty much immobilized. Yeah. So it becomes a uh, an ethics uh, mm. an ethics question. You know, what is well at least how you're framing it. How what what system of ethics you're using? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, are you looking to see what is the the, the best or the most benefit for the most people, mm. uh, or or is it just a, a clear cut right or wrong yeah. uh, issue? Mm -hmm. This actually this is a really interesting conversation. I think we need to do a whole. Segment about this because <laughs> there's so many questions. There's ethical questions. What happens if there's an accident? Whose fault is it? Yeah. What if someone is intoxicated and they start the car? You know, yeah. they're not technically. They're actually not driving, but their ownership of the. There's so many questions, um, and also how will cars, which are based on artificial intelligence, react to certain situations? Mm -hmm. I think we need to delve into this uh, a we, little bit more, inshallah. Yeah, inshallah. Out of time, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and being such a litigious society, you have to wonder if something does happen, who's going to sue whom? <laughs> so, yeah, there's uh, a lot of questions. Uh, yeah, cause it, uh, it's going to be questions of, of, of constants. Mm. You know, if it was uh, an automated vehicle uh, and, and then you remove that variable and say if it was uh, a vehicle being driven by, you know, actually in, in under the control of an mm -hmm. individual, you know, uh, what what would be the difference? Yeah. You know, if it, be, if it would be the same outcome, uh, it's easy to to focus on automated versus uh, individual. The outcomes might not be any different. Mm. Yeah. Now, one thing I was thinking is if all vehicles were automated, I guess that would um, kind of smooth things out as far as traffic flows, so maybe people could get to places in a more efficient manner. Might even reduce road rage. That's another interesting aspect. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, all Radio Islam family, I I am not interested in giving up my ability to drive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but I do think, uh, as Ibrahim mentioned, that this is a conversation we will most likely probably mm -hmm. we're going to have to revisit because I think it's going to be one that we're having as a as a society because mm -hmm. we're yeah. we're coming closer and closer to that. Yeah, definitely. It's becoming more of a reality, so it's got to be addressed sooner or later. <laughs> yeah. So as we close out, why don't you give your contact information one more time? Sure. So I'm on Instagram at Halal Wealth, just one word, no underscore or anything. I also have a blog, halalwealth.wordpress.com. And I have my photographs up on 500px.com slash F-A-R-H-A-N-W-R-X. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, it's thanks been a for pleasure. having me on. It was a lot of fun. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, folks. Our engineer uh, has been, is Leonard. Thank you very much. Our engineer in studio, the impressive one, Ibrahim Beg. I'm your host and producer. We've been joined by Farhan Khalid. And we thank you for joining us. And we pray that everyone has a, a happy holiday. Uh, enjoy your families. Be safe. Uh, reflect on what 
on what Allah has given you and given me. Uh, and we look forward to joining you again Monday evening. So now uh, I'm going to remind you that the thoughts of views that are expressed are those of the individuals and not of Sound Vision. Uh, our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. I think I've already told you I'm your producer and host. And I'm going to leave you as I greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can be upon you.